Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn of Houston Public Media. And I'm Eric Scali of Rocco, the River Oaks Chamber Orchestra. And this time we're talking about Vincenzo Bellini's bel canto masterpiece, Norma, which debuted at La Scala Milan in 1831. You know, and it's, it's significant that this is the first time that we've actually done Norma on the Opera Cheat Sheet, given that we've been doing it how long now? Has it been four years? It's uh, a lot. Yeah. And, of course, you know, we base this upon what opera is being broadcast this week. <laughs> the reason this is significant is because it hasn't come up yet on the broadcasts. And the reason that is is because it's just not done as often as the public would like because it's so difficult to find singers to really do justice to this masterpiece. It's, you know, it's bel canto. And so you need to have someone who has a mastery of that style, of that beautiful style, and has singing the role of Norma. Mm -hmm. yes. Well, as well as Adelgisa, but Norma mm -hmm. in particular is is probably the more most difficult role to fill because she has to have that mellifluous bel canto style and that that perfect technique, but at the same time she has to be declamatory and and uh, fairly stentorian and have a you know fairly uh, wide dynamic range to fulfill this role's requirements. And that's where Maria Callas comes in. Maria Callas, Joan Sutherland, Montserrat Caballé, going all the way back to Rosa Poncel, and before that, you know, all the way back to Judith Pasta, who originated the role. The, the singers that have mastered this role are, are legendary for a reason. And it's one of those roles that a second-rate singer just cannot do justice to. Oh, no. It, it demands somebody very much of the first order. Yeah, if, if you don't have somebody who can, who can really, you know, nail the demands of this role... It can be a long evening, frankly, <laughs> because so much hinges on the music. All, all the drama is there in the music. It's all there in the voice. And it is dramatic. Very. Based on the play Norma or The Infanticide by uh, Alexandra Sume. Which is so weird because she doesn't actually go through with it, but, <laughs> but <Right>. oh well. <laughs> That's a spoiler alert there. <laughs> Oops, I gave it away. Norma is set in Gaul, Roman Gaul, yeah. the first century BC. And Norma is a high priestess of the Druids. Indeed. Her father, Oroveso, is the arch-Druid of the Druids. He's like the number one and she's sort of the number two. And they are up against this situation where they are trying to stave off attacks by the Romans who are conquering Gaul. And so you have this indigenous population represented by the Druids who are trying to keep back the Romans. And you have Polione, who is the Roman proconsul, the leader of the Roman forces, the Roman administration, etc., that is trying to move in on this territory. And the first rub <laughs> comes <laughs> in that Norma, strangely enough, is in love with Polione. Oh, she's more than in love. <laughs> They've been messing around. <laughs> At least twice. At least twice, exactly. Because she has born, <laughs> she has born Polione two sons. In secret. How she pulled that off, I will never understand. But she somehow managed. <laughs> and of course, she has contravened her vows, her sacred vows. She, she's supposed to be a virgin. She's supposed to be a virgin. And 
Not only that, but she's also, in some respects, betrayed her people. She's a, she's committed treason to be, you know, consorting, <laughs> consorting with air quotes with a Roman. Yeah, the enemy. As the opera opens, we are in the grove, the sacred grove of the Druids, and Oroveso leads the Druids in in procession to pray for a victory against the, the invading Romans. Right. And they pray also that Norma will have the courage to sort of break the peace with the Romans. There is this sort of standoff at the moment between the two sides. And everything hinges on Norma and on what Norma says. I mean, if she says peace, they stay peaceful. If she says, let's go to war, they go to war. Because she's the one who is the primary conduit of the will of the, the Druid gods. She speaks for the goddess. The thing is, of course, is that because she loves Polione, she is invested in maintaining that peace, that status quo. Bit of a conflict of interest there. Conflict of interest indeed. In fact, if you look up conflict of interest in the dictionary, it says, see Norma. Norma. (laughs) (laughs) Oroveso leads the Druids out of the grove, off to the temple, and in comes Polione. Polione and... Flavio, who is... He's Flavio the, is his friend. And let's be honest, Flavio is there to prompt Polione <laughs> to, to sing his cavatina and then give him a little a reason to go into the cavaletta <laughs> immediately afterward. And I should explain those terms. Cavatina and cavaletta. In bel canto, you have a, a dual aria format. You know, when somebody sings an aria, they start with a, with a cavatina, which is very lyrical, slow and, slow and contemplative and shows off... The, the singer's vocal line. Cavaletta tends to be fast and shows off their agility. Polione confides to Flavio that he no longer loves Norma. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, but he has fallen in love with one of her priestesses, Adelgisa. Oh, boy. But he has some concerns because he's had a dream that he and Adelgisa were at the altar of Venus and that Adelgisa was all dressed in white and then a storm, a huge storm arose and the storm presages disaster. And this is all told in his cavatina. Right. And he sees this storm as being Norma's doing, her punishment for him being a faithless lover. Mm, Well, he's not wrong. (laughs) It's coming. (laughs) Then the trumpet sound announcing Norma's arrival. It's a big entrance, I have to say. This This is a great operatic entrance, you know, because everybody's talking about, the chorus is singing about... Norma's coming and she's going to divine, you know, the, the will of the goddess and she's, you know, here she comes and here she comes and then bang, there she is. Flavio says to Polione, come on, we better get out of here. Mm-hmm. And Polione says, no, I'm going to stand firm and, and sing a cavaletta. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't sung my cavaletta yet. <laughs> But he wants to confront them because the Druids, because he wants to overthrow them. He's had it. This is a time to move forward and get rid of them. The Druids and the priestesses all announce 
Norma's arrival, as you said, Eric. Norma viene. Norma is coming. As she approaches, they all get down on their knees. And she comes out with the sort of... The sacred scythe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the sacred scythe. She does. Yes. She has a scythe. Yes. And she cuts off a, a sprig of mistletoe. Mistletoe. Mm-hmm. And she says, the time is not ripe for our revenge. Right. Because she doesn't want anything to happen to Pollyone. Right. Because she's in love with him. She's the mother of his children, blah, blah, blah. And she has no idea he's messing around with one of her novices. (laughs) And she approaches the altar and she sings one of the great soprano arias, Casta Diva. Casta Diva, chaste goddess. And this is just a um, a real bel canto showpiece. This is the cavatina, where she shows off incredible, incredible vocal line, an incredible ch- uh, control of dynamics through a, a long vocal line, and it's and it's just absolutely drop dead gorgeous singing uh, if it's done right. <laughs> if. if it's not, well. well. <laughs> and she asks in the aria, she asks the goddess to shed peace upon the earth, the peace that the goddess has created in heaven. Let your peace fall down upon us mortals here below. And then she says to herself that she cannot hurt Polione. She cannot do anything to cause him any misfortune because she's in love with him. But she also knows that something's up with him. Hmm. She knows because she asks in her cabaletta, because she gets to sing one as well. Abello a me ritorno. Return to me, oh beautiful one, as in the bloom of our true love. Mm-hmm. So, as they say in the north of England, there's trouble at mill. <laughs> and, of course, because of her authority, because of her station, the Druids accept what she pronounces, that cautious approach to maintain that peace for the time being, and they all leave. Later that night, we are in the temple in the grove, and Adogiza is praying and is remembering with a little bit of sorrow that she has become involved with Polione. Now, Adelgisa, much like Norma, being a priestess, has to be a virgin. Yeah. So we're not sure yet whether she still is, but it's looking like... Not looking good. (laughs) If she is still a virgin, it ain't going to be for much longer. Right. (laughs) As she is there, Polione enters and... He's begging her to go with him to Rome. Because he says, I'm going to leave the next day to return to Rome. Yeah. And I want you to come with me. But she's very ambivalent. She does not want to go to Rome. But she ultimately kind of caves in and says, okay. Come to Rome, my darling, he says. Vieni in Roma. And she resists him, but finally gives in and says, yeah, okay, I'll go with you tomorrow. End of scene one. Mm-hmm. Okay, scene two, we are in Norma's house, her dwelling. And she is, she's upset. And she asks Clotilda, her maid, to take the children away. She knows... Her secret children. Her se- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That nobody knows about. That nobody knows about except Clotilde. She knows, Norma knows, 
that Polione has been recalled to Rome. He's leaving to go back to Rome. But she doesn't know if he will take her, if he will invite her to go with him. And she doesn't know how he feels about his children. Right. Then Adelgisa shows up. And <laughs> she, just to make matters worse for uh, Norma, she tells her that she has fallen in love with a Roman. She doesn't say who, but she does say a Roman. She describes how she fell in love with him while waiting at the temple, and she saw his handsome face appear. And Norma recalls her own feelings for Polione because she fell in love with Polione the same way. Imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and as they, as they talk about their loves, those two experiences parallel each other. He's a serial seducer. Right. And in the midst of this scene, guess who shows up? Well, Adelgisa has gone to Norma to ask for forgiveness and to ask for her help. Norma says that she will do all she can to help her and that she will release her from her priestess vows so that she can be happy with the Roman that she's fallen in love with. And then <laughs> Norma asks Adelgisa to describe the Roman that she's fallen in love with. And just as she's about to start, <laughs> she says, Here oh, he is. is. <laughs> <laughs> and in walks Polione. Well, you can just imagine Norma's reaction to that. <laughs> Norma is furious. Yeah. But she's furious with Polione, not with Adelgisa. And Adelgisa, of course, is confused because she doesn't know of the relationship between Norma and Polione. And Norma calls him, O perfido, O faithless man. This is where the, the declamatory part of this role really comes in. You've got Adalgisa and Polione trying to calm the situation down, and Norma is just spitting out her lines as much as you can spit out a line in bel canto. <laughs> <laughs> but she, you know, it's very sharp and declamatory, and she, she is clearly enraged, as you said. What is interesting is that Norma's anger is directed toward Polione. She bears no ill will toward Adelgisa. In fact, she tries to make her realize that she has been the victim of Polione's deception. Yes. And then they have this big trio where they're all stating their own case, their own turmoil. And there are these angry exchanges between the three of them. Norma declaring him to be a traitor He's trying to persuade Adelgisa to leave with him, and she's angrily telling him to leave her alone and go away. Right. He then says that it's his fate to leave Norma, and again makes the plea for Adelgisa to go with him to Rome. But she says, I would rather die. And she remains faithful to Norma. Yes. In the same way that Norma is remaining faithful to her. Yes. Then Norma tells Polione to go, to go away, to leave his children behind and his honor. Get thou to Rome. It's over. End of act one. End of act one. <laughs> act two opens in Norma's 
abode, her residence again. Yes. And she is there looking at her two sons who are sleeping in their cradles. And she's having these horrible thoughts of killing them. All she can see is Polione. Right. And, and she actually has a dagger. And she's, she's, she's really close to going through with it. But every time she gets close, she's filled with remorse. And she's, no, 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 I, I can't do this. I cannot do this. Because they are a constant reminder to her of Polione. Yeah. And then they wake up and she calls for Clotilde, asking for Adelgisa to be brought to her. So Adelgisa comes in, and she's concerned about Norma and how she looks. She looks pale. Norma asks her to swear to do everything that Norma tells her to do. She agrees, and Norma says, well, I am entrusting the care of my two children to you that you should take them to Polione in the Roman camp, and he will make a better husband for you than he would for me. So off you go. With my blessing. With my blessing, with my kids, you go and have <laughs> a, a nice happy life with Polione. And Adelgisa is dumbfounded because she cannot conceive of abandoning Norma. Right. And she says, I mean, Norma even says, I beg you for the sake of my children, for the sake of his children. But Adelgisa says she will never leave Gaul and that she will only ever do what is good for Norma. There's a bit of a bromance going on here. <laughs> well, yeah, a little, little, little sisterhood, sisterly bond or bonding there. Uh, and it's done in the, uh, the course of one of the most famous duets in, in the history of Bel Canto. And this is the duet that begins with um, Adalgisa singing the words, Mira Norma. And it's an extended duet in which the two of them are singing in thirds a lot of the time. And it simply requires that you have two singers who can match their voices together in a perfect blend as, as if it sounds as if they're singing with one voice. It's very difficult to do. Probably the gold standard for that is Joan Sutherland and Marilyn Horn. They just had some sort of vocal magic going. Every Synchronicity. Time they, yeah, they did. They did, absolutely. Adelgisa agrees to go to the Roman camp and to tell Polione about Norma's grief. But her hope, Adelgisa hopes, that what she will be able to do is persuade him to return to Norma. Oh, Norma. <laughs> <laughs> and she even goes as far as to renounce Polione. And then Norma realises, as they are singing this duet, as this duet comes to a close, that Adelgisa is going to give up Polione and remain with her. The scene changes back to the sacred grove and the Druid warriors are gathering to prepare to attack the Romans. And Norma is meanwhile waiting for Adelgisa to come back and tell her what happened, you know, with, with her, her meeting with Polione. But as the soldiers, the Druid soldiers are gathering, Oroveso comes in and says, News from the gods, newsflash, divine newsflash. The time has not arrived to strike. Going back, of course, to what Norma had said mm -hmm. in Act One, that now was not the time. Then we move to the temple and Norma comes in 
Clotilde arrives with the news that Adelgisa has not been able to persuade Polione to return. And she learns that Adelgisa is coming back and she wants to renew her priestly vows. Right. And return to the service of the temple and the service of Norma as high priest. Norma's not happy. That's an understatement. She flies into a rage, and she grabs the um, the what do you call it the the what do, what do you strike a gong with? I guess it's a mallet, and there's a sacred gong, <laughs> and she strikes it three times to signal all the warriors to come to her, and she in a in a. Fury, and this is again. This is one of those declamatory moments for Norma that makes it a, a, such a difficult role. Says, "It's time. It is time to go to war." And uh, and they sound the trumpets, and they sing this rousing war chant: "Guerra, guerra, 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 guerra." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Norma proclaims blood. Blood, revenge. What's interesting is... Exterminio, extermination. (laughs) And the soldiers, the the Druid warriors must be really confused because at the beginning of Act 1, they were like, oh, let's go and fight the Romans. And Norman comes in and says, no. And now they're not going to fight the Romans. And Norman says, let's go fight. (laughs) Which just goes to show what power she held. Right. Absolutely. You know, they really absolutely believe that she spoke for the gods. But in order for Norma to complete that process of, uh, of going to war, Oroveso demands to know who will be the sacrificial victim. It's almost like uh, Agamemnon, Clytemnestra, and Iphigenia. You know, he, in order to get the wind up before mm-hmm. they left to uh, attack Troy, mm-hmm. There had to be a sacrifice. Right. Iphigenia. Uh, same thing here. Who is going to be the sacrificial victim? At that point, Clotilda runs in and <laughs> says that a Roman has broken into the Druid's temple and has desecrated it. Talk about bad timing. <laughs> <laughs> However, the good news is that he's been caught. And who is led in? Polione. Who had come to try to, to carry off Adalgisa. To go back to Rome with him. Right. And Norma, they tried to get her to take the sacrificial knife to stab him, to make him the sacrificial victim. But of course, she can't do it. No. And they want to know why. They want to know why, but she sends them away, stating, I need to question him. So the crowd goes off and Norma is alone with Polione. And uh, th- there's this famous duet. In mia man al fin to say. At last you're in my hands. I have you now. <laughs> and she makes several demands. She demands that he shun Adelgisa and that until he does that, she will not release him. If he does that, she'll release him and he need never worry about seeing her ever again. But he refuses. He won't do it. Norma vents her anger and says, well, if that's the case, I am going to kill your children. And he says, no, don't do that. (laughs) Kill me. Kill me instead. 
so that I alone will die. She then, I think she's calling his bluff here. Mm -hmm. She says, no, all the Romans are going to die. And so is Adalgisa because she has broken her vows as a priestess. Sort of reverse psychology. And this is this is really funny. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring this up again later. <laughs> Polione pleads for Adelgisa's life, and he demands the sacrificial knife from Norma, presumably so that he can kill himself right. in her place, in Adelgisa's place. Right. But Norma says it's better to sacrifice a priestess who has broken her vows rather than Polione. And she orders that a pyre be built to make this sacrifice on. Right. And Oroveso demands to know who is to be sacrificed. Who is the priestess who has broken her vows? Polione, thinking that she's going to say Adelgisa, implores her to be quiet and not to say anything. But then Norma reveals who she really means. Herself. Who does she mean, Eric? Herself. Herself. (laughs) Now, here's where it gets kind of (laughs) screwy. (laughs) And Beverly Sills wrote about this in her autobiography. Oroveso and everyone are just absolutely stunned and they can't believe this is true. (laughs) And what does she say? Norma non mente. Norma doesn't lie. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Well, she explains that she, the high priestess, has broken her vows. She has become involved with the enemy and has borne his children. I mean, they're gobsmacked. Yes. They are gobsmacked. Well, this is where they have the big ensemble. Where everybody and, gets to sing. And well, yeah. <laughs> and Oroveso, Oroveso is appalled beyond belief, because this is his daughter, for heaven's sake. Right. And he is ready to completely renounce her and have have nothing to do with her and just send her to her death. Um, she pleads with him, f- for the sake of her children, to not let her transgressions be visited upon, upon her. The children. Upon the children. And then we have this finale. As you said, Norma pleads with with her father to spare her children. And she is preparing to leap into the flames of the pyre. Polione is so moved by her nobility, nobility, Mm -hmm. everything that she does, that he decides that he's going to jump in with her. Yep. And he says, your pyre is my pyre. And he says... There, a holier and everlasting love will begin. So, that's the Wagnerian thing. They'll be yeah. united in death. Yeah. She gets her guy, sort of. <laughs> End of opera. End of opera. So, we make a lot of fun of the plot. <laughs> and, you know, for good reason. But again, you know, again and again in opera, we see these musical masterpieces, these scores that, you know, it's not about having a, a music drama like a Benjamin Britten, which could work, you, you could imagine it working as a, a theatrical play without the music, although heaven knows, especially with Britten, 
the music is amazing uh, and, and makes it you know, more than just a drama. This, you know, obviously, well, I mean, at one time, obviously, it did work as a drama, <laughs> right? But in, in today's, you know, in today's climate, that wouldn't fly. But you have a score that ennobles this and makes it not about. It's not about the plot. It's about the musical evocation of these emotions. This perfect musical evocation of the emotions that these characters feel. And if you go with the music, it all makes sense. It does make sense. It, uh, the vagaries of the plot or the sometimes the nonsensical meanderings of the plot, they don't matter uh, because the music justifies it uh, and ennobles it and takes it to another plane. And uh, if you go with it, it's an amazing experience. Vincenzo Bellini's Norma. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening.